Hello and welcome to Fairpool AMA. Today we're going to talk about the so-called zero dependency functions. Let me explain what it means and after that I'll explain why it's important and why it's important specifically for us as a company. So a zero dependency function is a regular function in a programming language uh, which is different from the other functions in a very specific way. Um, it, it accepts all the uh, all the functions which it calls in turn as arguments. So uh, these functions are not hard coded. These functions are passed as arguments. Uh, let me explain. Uh, let, let me give an example. Let's say um, let's say you have a, a website where you have the uh, the function for the registration of users. So uh, this function requires to add a new record to the database. Now, the function for the adding a new record is a function by itself, right? And so you have two functions. The first function is the function, uh, which uh, the, the, the general function, which registers the uh, new user. It accepts two, um, two parameters in the simplest case, the username and the password. And then this function calls a bunch of other functions. For example, it hashes the password. It also checks uh, whether the user with such username already exists, doesn't allow to create two users with the same username. Maybe it checks some requirements for the password, the password lands, the uh, presence of special characters, things like this. So lots of other functions to call here. Uh, one of the functions which is being called is also a function to insert a new record into the database. So let's say all the checks pass, uh, and there is a need to actually insert the, new, the uh, information of, of the new user into the database. So uh, it's possible to implement the, uh, the first function, the uh, registration function, it's called the register function, uh, in two ways. The uh, first way is to just call the insert function from some library uh, and be done with it, like be, be happy. That's the normal way uh, that programming is being done right now. However, this creates a dependency. So uh, after this, if the, if the register function is implemented this way, that means it is not possible to reuse the register function without reusing the same insert function. And so it becomes impossible to, let's say, use another database. Maybe it's possible, maybe uh, this insert function uh, supports different SQL databases, but then it doesn't support the no SQL database. So still, you are limited by the choices because uh, essentially, if the dependency uh, uh, of the register function is hard-coded, that means it's not possible to change the behavior of the register function itself uh, without rewriting the dependency. And uh, most of the time, this is not accessible because this dependency is some other package authored by some other person. Uh, and so you, you cannot just replace this package by, by the name. Well, it's possible using some hacks uh, with a package manager, but these are exactly hacks. So for example, uh, if you change the behavior of the insert function uh, by forking uh, an, another package, uh, the, the original package, then you won't receive the updates. You will have to merge the updates manually. There may be conflicts, etc. So it's a hassle. Now, there is another way to implement the register function. It's called, uh, most often it's called dependency injection. So instead of hard coding the uh, insert function, you pass uh, the insert function as an argument to the register function. And that means it's, it, it becomes possible now to, um, to replace this insert function with something else. Let's say it's replaced it uh, with a function which saves to uh, no SQL database 
or just writes it to a file, or let's say it continues to add it to an SQL database to insert into an SQL database, but then it adds logging uh, for this operation. So different things, or maybe as additional checks. Anyway, um, lots of different ways to uh, to customize the register function. And uh, one of the um, uh, important benefits of dependency injection is that it, it becomes possible to easily reuse the register function in other code. So uh, even though this concept is pretty well known in the industry in general, uh, we feel like it's not being used to, to its extent. Uh, and uh, with the code actions, we feel like we um, vitally need this approach because with code actions, um, it becomes uh, necessary because different people have different styles of coding and uh, different teams have different conventions about code. So let's say if you have a function to uh, to create a new variable, uh, sorry, a new variable in JavaScript, uh, well, there are three ways to create a new variable in JavaScript. I know it's crazy for a language, but <laughs> that's, that's what we have to deal with. You have the var keyword, you have the const keyword, and then you also have the let keyword. Um, so that means uh, it's useful in different ways. Uh, those keywords are useful in, in those specific cases, different cases. So what I want to say is that uh, it becomes necessary to customize uh, the uh, create variable function by supplying the specific keyword to use. Uh, if you're talking about uh, more complicated code, let's say uh, code to, um, to create a scaffold for a new class, uh, then it becomes even more complicated because people tend to have even even more differing, even even stronger opinions about how uh, how the classes should be written, how how the scaffold should be written, etc. So uh, we also think that uh, pushing this uh, dependency injection approach to the limit um, it can be actually uh, easier done if you are using a language which supports the type classes. So right now, the um, most well-known languages which do have uh, support of, for type classes or some kind of type classes are Rust, Haskell, uh, Lean. Uh, to my knowledge, this is it. Most likely, there are other languages which also support the type classes, but uh, or of course, PureScript. Uh, anyway, I, I do believe that there are other languages which support the, the type classes, but uh, this is not common in general uh, across the languages. Uh, and so uh, that's why uh, this way of managing dependencies, it becomes complicated. Uh, in general, you have to write more code if you want to uh, do it this way. So of course, the uh, hard code approach works most of the time, but then it's hard code, so it's, like, it's less reusable. It's like uh, you're writing more code now uh, for potential benefit in the future. You, you, you're not sure whether you're going to reuse this code, so you just hard code it right away uh, in, in the moment when you're writing this. Uh, but if you are very sure that your package, your code is going to be reused by other people, like our code actions, for example, uh, it becomes um, more prudent to use this architecture, to use the type classes to allow other people to do this. And so that's, that's what we're going to do. Uh, I also feel like uh, it's possible to completely, completely uh, change the way we're building software with this paradigm. So um, 
maybe it's going to become possible to build completely customizable interfaces and completely customizable functions uh, by reusing code this way. Uh, I also envision that it's going to be possible to send uh, a WebAssembly module to the server uh, and ask this ask the server to use to to call this WebAssembly module during the execution of some other code. So it's again, it's uh, it will turn the uh, the model of execution upside down. So it's instead of asking the server to perform some computation, just providing the data for this computation, the uh, the inputs. Uh, it's going to become possible to provide the code as an argument to another server. Of course, this raises the questions about security, but WebAssembly runtimes, they do solve the, the, this question. This question is very important uh, for them because, um, the, uh, the, well, that, that was one of the questions that they were trying to solve initially. So by design, uh, it should be secure, and by design, WebAssembly runs in a sandboxed environment. So this, if the server receives a, a WebAssembly module and tries to run this code, then by default it's going to run in a, in a sandbox and it's going to be possible to specify uh, what system resources it's allowed to access, how long it's allowed to run, how much memory it's allowed to consume, etc. So uh, I feel like it's going to be safe actually for, for the service to implement this functionality. So right now we're going to do this with the code actions. Uh, we're going to do, to do it in a regular way. We're going to just allow people to provide their own code, like the re regular code, because they are going to run this code on their own machines. But if we're going to build a server architecture, we're going, if we're going to use the server-based architecture, then uh, we could use this approach, which involves sending us WebAssembly modules, which we execute. Thank you for listening to this AMA, and see you next time.